sloth the book away. The book they paid him $3 million to write and decided just to make up his own story. <laughs> That's odd. Paul Wolf. Dana Gordon on one. Did he know anything about this? No, of course not. Then why is he in hiding? He's not in hiding. He's at a photo shoot with his new client. He's got a new client? Yeah, Anna Ferris. Come on. Yep. Jesus, the world is falling apart. It's always darkest before dawn, Ari. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. I hope this podcast finds you well this Monday morning. I hope it finds you healthy. I hope it finds you indoors, staying safe, staying quarantined from this coronavirus. It seems like a strange time to be talking about a show that hasn't been on the air in 15 plus years. Regardless, I'm going to keep trucking through, keep continuing to make this content for you, at least for the time being. Kyle Banduho, my good friend, reoccurring guest on this podcast, was back this week to break down Snow Job, episode 10 of season 4 of Entourage. Great episode. Anna Ferris's boyfriend shows up on the scene. Ari and Dana Gordon are wheeling and dealing. And Billy Walsh completely rewrites the Cloud script. Kyle and I recorded this on Wednesday evening, just mere minutes after the news broke that they were suspending the rest of the NBA season. So, we have a little bit of a reaction to that. We don't dive too much into it because we knew that this episode wasn't airing for a couple days and that there would be more news after the fact. Strange times we're in, definitely. You don't care about what the host of an Entourage podcast has to say about that. Thank you for always for tuning in. Thank you for the five-star reviews you've been leaving. Make sure you're following the Oh Yeah Pod social accounts. I actually just tweeted a couple days ago an interaction that I read on the Entourage subreddit how the boys would react in real time to coronavirus. Go check that out. Give Oh Yeah Pod a follow on Instagram and on Twitter. And give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter, at JRWillDoIt. I'm working on a big guest for next week's episode. No Can Do. It's a legendary Entourage episode. We need a legendary guest. A few have fallen through already, hoping because of this quarantine situation, I'll be able to lock someone down soon. If I can't, I'm going to push the episode. I do not want to have a filler-type guest in for what is considered like a top three Entourage episode. So I will keep everyone abreast of that. In the meantime, enjoy me and Tyle's conversation about Snow Job. Tyle's one of my favorite guests. Give his new podcast, From Phenom to the Farm, a listen. It's for baseball nerds everywhere. Tyle is a self-proclaimed baseball nerd. I'm a baseball nerd myself. If you like baseball, if you like hearing about the crazy world that is MLB prospect signing bonuses and minor league baseball, give it a listen. The link to listen to that is in the show notes of today's episode. Have a great rest of your week. Stay healthy, and I will talk to you possibly next Monday. Before we introduce our guest, this may be one of the weirdest episodes of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, we've ever recorded. We are recording this on Wednesday, March 11th. The news just broke that the NBA season has been completely suspended. By Monday morning, when you listen to this, who knows what will happen? We will just leave it at that. Hopefully, there are still celebrities alive to talk about. I don't even know how to, like, joke around about this. This just feels kind of weird, but we're going to try our best. And my desk this week, he knows he, <clears throat> he needs no introduction. He's making his fourth appearance on this podcast in as many seasons. He's the host of Bid Screen Sports and the brand new podcast from Baseball America, 
from Phenom to the Farm, dialing in from San Antonio, Texas, Kyle Banduho. Welcome back to the Entourage Podcast. Save Tom Hanks. <laughs> take take me instead. Seriously, take both of us. Not not him and Rita. Yeah, I mean, when we're recording this, we literally just found out about both the NBA and the Tom Hanks news. So, like you said, whatever we're saying now is completely irrelevant. I know to what's going on when when everyone listens to this. But man, let's talk some entourage. I'm psyched. Let's do it. It's like the last. It's the home stretch of season four. It's a super fun period in Entourage lore. Had to have you back. You're one of my favorite guests. You love movies. There's a pretty big movie plot in this episode. Uh, what do you say? Let's just dive in. Let's just forget about all the coronavirus stuff and just do what guys like to do, which is talk about Entourage. Hell yeah, I'm in. All right, we are doing episode ten of season four, Snow Job. Premiered on Sunday, August 19th, 2007. On this date, a Minnesota Twins pitcher strikes out 17 batters in eight Oh, innings. that's Johan. I watched this. <laughs> you didn't even need to tell me. I watched that highlight on YouTube all the time. It is a franchise record for strikeouts in a game. Minnesota wins 1-0. to zero. Has this record the been broken? Yep. Uh, not by the not by a Twins pitcher. No, I think the 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 record in a single game is twenty. But yeah, Johan still holds the Twins record of seventeen. Those highlights are on YouTube. Uh, just search Johan Santana seventeen strikeout game. It's against the Rangers. It got the changeup working. Just really good stuff. If uh, if anyone out there is interested, <laughs> Kyle, you're a baseball nerd. That's why I love you. And how fortuitous is it that like that happened on this exact day? I know. It's almost like you planned it. I didn't at all. I was like, oh, any any big sports news happened? Holy shit. Kyle's favorite team. <laughs> team yeah. record. And just for everyone out there, uh, his career in the regular season compares really favorably to Sandy Koufax, who was featured in an earlier Entourage episode. I we have talked about San- We've talked about Sandy Koufax extensively on this podcast. Um, yeah, that's true. I can't can't say that I know a lot about Twins baseball, to be honest with you. I've actually got one more little bit of sports uh, trivia from this time period. Just a week later, Michael Vick, the star quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, formally pleads guilty before a Richmond, Virginia jury to a federal felony charge related to running a dogfighting ring. My uh, favorite college football player of all time at that point. That was also, <laughs> That was a tough day. That December, the 27-year-old Michael Vick, who at one point was the highest-paid player in the NFL, was sentenced to 23 months in federal prison. But never forget that he led my beloved Virginia Tech Hokies on his back to the national championship game. <laughs> it's, like, so. it's like the perfect storm of like sports news for you. And in an August, too, which like there's never a ton of sports news in August. Yeah, it was a really, real high and low week for me there. <laughs> All right, so the plot of this week's episode, super simple. While Vince is determining whether or not he wants to do Billy Walsh's newest project as a personal favor to Walsh, E takes on Anna Ferris and her new boyfriend as a client. Crash, what was your favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage? I have two. Let's hear it. Um, I have Anna dumping her, her boyfriend, Dave, <laughs> because, that I mean, just awful. That guy awful. was awful. Yeah. Just every time he's on screen. Um, but I, I guess like the really good moment and my favorite moment is when Ari goes into full Ari mode and like sells Silo in uh Wimmer's office. Yeah, that Fraser Tharp brought that up. That is Ari's like peak 
I think this season. He's had a yeah. lot of uneven like family related plots, but this is like Ari in fucking attack mode, and I loved it. Yeah, it's um, I I don't want to step on like the Ari stuff later in the episode, but it's. Because there's always a lot of the things pe- people remember about Ari is like his funny quirks or his insults or something. But this is when Piven's really at his best and when the character's at his best and when he's actually doing his job. Yeah, he's like a like a bulldog. Like he doesn't take no for an answer. He just is relentlessly pushing forward. The whole like bait and switch of like trying to sell the script to Dana, and when he finally when she realizes that he's in her boss's office, it's a great turn. It's a, it's just an incredible performance, and we'll get into, you know, Richard Wimmer, the character, the character actor, Dana Gordon, but this whole episode, Piven's amazing. Yeah, oh, it's great. It, it's a top, it's a t- peak Ari Gold episode. So, Dana, you're not going to take this to your boss? No. Well, then I will. Really? Hi, Ari Gold to see Richard Wimmer? Really? You motherfucking cocksucker. He's leaving for New York in 30 minutes. I'll only be a minute. No, 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 he's in the shower! My two favorite moments both involve Ari as well. First off, the hilarious four-way phone call between Ari, Lloyd, Drama, and Turtle. Yes. They're on the phone so much in Entourage. There's not a lot you can do with it. And this was a really funny way where, like, both Drama and Turtle walked up to Vince with cell phones, both trying to play that E middleman. And Ari's like, Vinny! And Lloyd's like, I've got Vince. And Ari's like, I've got fucking Vince right here. It's just, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Hello. Turtle. Drama. Hey, hey, Ari, what's up? What's up, Lloyd? I'm looking for Vince. Do you know where Vince is? Aren't you supposed to go through E for Vince? You try E? If he's there, put him on the fucking phone, Turtle. I called E and emailed him, too. Let me see if he's here. Hang on. I'll see if I can locate him. Yo, Vince, you here for Ari? Why wouldn't I be? Lloyd says he can't find E. Oh, it's fine. Hey, Lloyd. Hey, Vince. Hold for Ari. Okay. I got Ari, Vince. <laughs> Ari. Vince! I got Vince. I got fucking Vince. Vince! Ari. Did you read Walsh's script? Did I get Walsh's script? Well, it was dropped off to me in the studio this morning. And then my other moment is, again, Ari is at Billy Walsh's, like, slumlord house, and he says to Billy, Vince stuck his neck out for you, and now you are fucking him and the studio. They are going to fuck you right back. They can't touch me. They can sue you and make sure that you never make a movie in this town again. Well, good thing I paint. Billy is like a little insufferable towards the end of this season. And this was a really nice, funny moment where he's not that insufferable. And that's a great fucking line. Because this is when the show starts to get that Billy Walsh fatigue. Yeah. In a bit. And it's like that repeated, the the show a lot of times goes like, we need some drama. We need a, not no pun intended. No, <laughs> no Johnny drama intended, but like we need something to stir things up. Oh, let's lean on Billy Walsh being, uh, really unreliable and yeah and uncooperative exactly let's just lean on that the show does that a lot and while that gets old uh walsh is still he's still good like the actor still does a good job like that was a funny line also i have a question for you if you were gonna blow you know a a five hundred thousand dollar advance or something and you were living in that house would you do more would you do something different than just put in a steam shower 
it's funny because like you could probably buy that house or buy a better version of that house with a five hundred thousand dollar deposit, but there's there's got to be some sort of sentiment, sentimental value attached to it for Billy not to upgrade anything else besides the steam shower. Yeah. Okay, that's a fair point. Do you notice the TV on wheels? Like he has it like on a eighth grade science class like cart that like you know you the teacher rolls in the TV. That's what his TV is on. Billy Wall strikes me as the kind of guy who would have like brought his TV around with him because this is before <laughs> smartphones or anything. So if like, yeah. he's watching a movie, he's just rolling it around with him in the house. <laughs> I love it. Bros being bros. We talked about it every week. This is a pretty good episode for bros being bros. Just those moments of male friendship. What do you got for me, Crash? I've got the guys being incapable of being able to talk about any sort of friendship or business relationship involving a woman without like are you going to have sex with her involved? And it's right in the beginning of the episode. It's right when they're talking about E's new client, Anna Ferris. Like, they can't. And this show has an incapability to write a plot with a woman that does not involve her sexual appeal in some way. And this is just, like, another thing of, like, hey, E's got a new client. Oh, it's Anna Ferris. She's cute. Like, hey, E, you going to have sex with her? <laughs> Don't fall in love with her, E. We know you do that. <laughs> Well, you still think she does, he? She has a boyfriend, Turtle. So? It's not a husband. And if you think she'd want to bang him if she didn't have a boyfriend, you'd lie and wait. Eventually that would end, you'd be in like Flint. Totally. Is that why you guys never get laid? Always waiting for relationships to end? <laughs> Look, E, last night you thought you were on a date with the girl. I'm just not sure you can let that go and be professional. Yeah, well, I am sure. So why are you asking? I'm just making sure you're okay with it. Are you okay with it? Look, not all clients are as easy as me. And actresses, forget it. Oh, yeah. Look, the girl's a talent, all right? I think it's a great way to expand our business. And, like, when you're watching this show for the first time, you're not 100% sure that Anna Ferris is just on for a couple episodes stint. Yep. Like, yep. it could be, because she wasn't, like, she wasn't crushing it at that point, I don't think. She's very relevant, but it wasn't, like, a recurring role on Entourage, I don't think was above her. That sh The show was really popular. I mean, at the time, she had some stuff in the works. She was, uh, she had the house bunny coming out. She probably was in, like, post-production on the house bunny. She had just wrapped Starry Movie 4, so she was working. I think she just, like, wanted to do a quick HBO stint for three episodes, which, like, more power to her. She's she's fantastic. We talked about that last week. Uh, she's one of the better female supporting characters, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. My bros being bros moment is, it's it's kind of two moments. First off, Ari comes over to, like, talk to Vince about the rewritten uh, Cloud script, which is now called Silo. And Drama, Turtle, and Vince are just, like, eating lamb kebabs outside on the deck with a bottle of red wine in the middle of the day. I made some lamb kebabs, Ari. Right? You want some? No, thank you. They're good. No, thank you. You know Richard Kelly. Director? Yeah, the guy that did Donnie Darko. I know him. I like him. Why? I represent him, I can get him on clouds. Plus, I can get the studio on board so we can keep this train rolling. What about Billy? <laughs> Feels like them trying to pretend to be sophisticated. Like, drama being like, let's open a bottle of red. I got some lamb kebabs. And he's, like, offering it to Ari when he comes in. Like, it feels like that thing that guys do where they're like, let's go to a steakhouse and be fancy. Like, it, where it's they're kind of forcing it a little bit. Well, and it's like the mature, like, dad is out of the house. Like, he's gone. It's like, let's just be, let's just be weird. Let's just do whatever we want. Yep. Dad's gone. Dad's gone. Let's have a weird, like, midday dinner feast at 
two o'clock in the afternoon when there's so much to get done. It's the most drama shit ever, too. Definitely. Like, red wine. Like, you know, it was his idea. The bottle of red was 100% his idea. (laughs) And then it's, you know, the final scene. Everything comes together. (laughs) Big surprise. You know, Ari pulls one out of his ass. Vince lights the script. They're making Silo. You got to have those bud heavies on deck to, like, you know, give a toast. Because that's how a good Entourage episode ends. A nice toast. <laughs> How about a toast to a groundbreaking day and a possibly groundbreaking movie? Are you kissing my ass now, snake suit? Oh, come on, Billy. He came through. You can't stay mad at him. Well, I'm no longer planning on using your car as a toilet, but I'll get back to you about being my agent. <laughs> I wait with bated breath, sire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there are multiple episodes that end exactly like this one. Just in different, like, fancy houses. I'm surprised they didn't turn and look over the skyline and go, look at us. <laughs> it's basically, yeah, it's basically like the one day at the one day in the valley episode. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, what was your least favorite moment of this week's episode of Entourage? Uh, everything involving the boyfriend, Dave, yeah. besides him getting dumped. Just every, the dialogue and stuff, like, everything involving that guy was exhausting. That's my boyfriend, Dave. Hey, Dave, how are you? <laughs> You're the new manager, dog? Yeah. I just, you know, I just thought you'd be a little older. I'm older than I look. Mm. Hi. <laughs> so. So. Uh, so, uh, why don't you ask the new manager what he thinks of my idea? Dave, I... Uh, what? Yo, yo, check this, okay? I want them to shoot Anna in a series of animal poses, okay? Like one where she sticks her neck out like this, all right? She's like a giraffe, all right? Another one where we make her hair really, really big, it'd be like a lion, huh? What do you think? That's interesting. What do you really think? Uh, I think it's a little weird. And no offense, Dave, but it is. It's, it's it a is weird. a little weird, babe. Okay, well, I thought it'd be hot. Okay. You think everything I do is hot, and that's why I love you. But this is a little weird, so let's let it go, please. Okay, baby. Okay, I'm gonna go get ready. Um, yo, dog. I'm gonna go watch my girl get ready. Okay, so uh, why don't you grab me a Coke and bring it over to the trailer, all right? Yeah, they're, um, they're right there. Thanks, dog. You hit it right on the head. I completely agree with you. We get it, like, pretty early on. Like, we get it. And then it's beat over our head a dozen more times. This guy is insufferable. He's a douchebag. He's controlling. It's almost a caricature of a bad TV boyfriend, in my opinion. It goes so far as to, like, you as the viewer don't believe for a second that Anna Ferris would be dating this guy. Yeah. Uh, it's probably what takes away from the episode, if anything takes away with it. And this is a really good episode, in my opinion. It's just he is like the bright, bright cold sore on like this beautiful thing. I can't believe I just said that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they... I don't know... I don't know how... They could have found a, a different way to make this guy obviously undesirable and a problem without being so over the top and so corny and just so bad beating it over your head. I completely agree. Let's talk about him as an actor really quick, the actor who plays Dave. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but this dude's been working in Hollywood for like 15 years and has over 90 credits to his name. I noticed he's on uh, he's on something now, like not it's, it's SWAT or something. He's been on something for like the last three years, a network show. SEAL Team on CBS for over 60 episodes. 60 episodes of a broadcast drama is big bucks That's a for good this living. dude. So, yeah. Good for him. And before that, Kyle, he was on 140 episodes of CSI in New York. I mean, that's, also that's killing living. it. Yeah, that's a very good living. 
this was a short pit stop on a very successful television career. So AJ Butley, the actor playing Dave on his BF, great job, man. I mean, outside of this role, like you're killing it, man. That's legitimately the Hollywood career that I would take. Like I would want that because he is he is raking in the money. He is very set. His grandkids are set. He can also go to the grocery. I mean, he can't go to the grocery store now because everyone has coronavirus, but he <laughs> could walk to the grocery store and just grab all his stuff. And like maybe some seniors who watch network TV would recognize him. But other than that, like he he's in the clear. He's he's can live a normal life, but he's rich. It's the dream. And be a working actor in Hollywood. That's great. Yeah. Um, What's the most entourage moment of this episode? Uh, for me, it is it is Vince just going with the flow on this ridiculous <laughs> new Wall script, saying it'll all work out, like Billy potentially tanking a project, blowing a 500K advance, and 10 minutes later, they're toasting with butt heavies, and it's like, it's all good. I mean, it's essentially like, it's that that college humor entourage spoof. Yeah. It's, it's that yeah. to a T. It's just like... It's like, hey, we can do whatever we want. Things are just going to work out. And I think at the end of season four is the first time that they don't. But for now, it's like, yep, this is, and you as a viewer watching this, you're fully convinced that, yeah, this is actually going to, this is actually going to work out for them. Like, this is going to be the next plot. Like, season five is going to be the silo season. You're pretty convinced. You're pretty convinced of that until the next episode. I don't want to step on, but then you're. Next episode is when you get the first inkling of like, eh, I don't know if it's going to work out. What was your most entourage moment? My most entourage moment of the episode is just the open. They pull up in front of the valet at Earth Cafe, one of their regular haunts, walk right in, grab a menu, like just like old times. Like This is probably the 12th or 13th time we've seen this open to this show. And it just, it's like a fun hang. It's like super familiar. And they're kind of making fun of each other as they're in line. E like makes fun of drama. They did a little fist fight. I I just like a couple guys. And Vince, look, I know where I'd be without you. Nowhere. (laughs) Don't you have a job to go to drama? That's the beauty of an ensemble cast. Two day work weeks. Vince. E, it is not necessary. It's great that other people are recognizing what you do for me. And I wish you nothing but success. I only ask that you make sure that my career attention does not suffer. Yeah, E. Look out for numero uno. Yeah, always, always, always. Whoa! That's what stood out to me as the most entourage moment. Because you're absolutely right, Kyle. Like, this episode has the familiar beats of, like, will it work out, will it not? Uh, It all works out in the end. By the way, actually, I remember what I was going to say. Why wasn't Vince more upset that he's not doing Clouds anymore? Like, how do you wrap your head around doing a role and then you're like, no, I'll do this role instead. Okay. Like, that's a little bit too laid back for me. Well... Vince has also, like, he, ever since Billy Walsh entered his life, ever since they got over the thing about him adding that scene about a guy going (laughs) down on him in Queens Boulevard, like, that was the last conflict it always had with Walsh, and ever since then, it's been like, oh yeah, Billy, I'm just doing whatever Billy says. Like, he, he just completely goes with it. Like, it's like the makeup in Medellin, like the fat suit and stuff. He's just like, no, Walsh says it's gonna look great, it's gonna look great. Like he, it's, it's just classic Vince. Like it's the, I mean, Vince's character literally doesn't think anything bad's going to happen until, until Medellin blows up. Agreed. What, uh, what was your favorite line or quote from this week's episode? I have two. Uh, the first one was shut the fuck up Lloyd, 
when when Lloyd's <laughs> trying to get through Eric in the valley. <laughs> e E <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Lloyd. <laughs> I'm sure that clips on YouTube because it's like that's an iconic Ari line. Like you, I feel, I feel like I hear that all the time. I can't hear you, Lloyd. I'm in the hills. Did you get the Billy Walsh script? Lloyd, I can't hear you. Did you get the Billy Walsh script? Shut the fuck up, Lloyd. Yeah, that's like on T-shirts. That's yeah, that's in a top ten compilation somewhere. It's so funny. Um, we'll get to the whole idea of like the hills and stuff like that in a bit, but. I really like, uh, I mentioned it earlier, but E and Drama kind of bickering at Earth Cafe. E's like, I know where I'd be without you, Vince. And Drama's like, nowhere. <laughs> and E goes, don't you have a job to go do? And Drama goes, that's the beauty of an ensemble test. Two-day work weeks. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> and he's is... wearing that stupid yellow cut-off t-shirt. <laughs> There's another good line that when uh, when Anna Ferris is dumping Dave, where she says, stop fucking talking like Randy Jackson, which is like perfectly, <laughs> it's like super dated, but also really funny. I have that as one of my best burns, but he is like, he's like, that shit ain't right. <laughs> what a badly written character so like, bad. on purpose, I would think. Yeah, so, but it's like, it's just, it's way too over the top. It's too much. Turtle has a line. I mean, he doesn't, Turtle doesn't do much this episode. He had kind of an MVP performance last week with picking up the girls and, uh, you know, saving the weed and out of the uh, sewage drain. But uh, this week, he's sitting there eating his lamb kebab, drinking his wine, and he says to Ari, Clouds was lacking in tits, Ari. This one's got at least four. <laughs> Just the most... Great, great Jerry performance. The most Turtle line ever. That's how Turtle analyzes yep. a movie. Is he fucking with me? Clouds was lacking in tits, Ari. This one's got at least four. Yeah, there's a couple things in there for me, too, Ari. So you and Lloyd should get on it ASAP. <clears throat> Where the hell is E? M-I-A. New category this season. You haven't done it yet, but best burn. I had a couple. There was some pretty good shit talking in this episode. I had, uh, well, I had three, but two of them were my, my favorite quotes. Just the shut the fuck up, Lloyd, was just like the ultimate, yep. just shut him down. And then I also thought the stop fucking talking like Randy Jackson was fantastic. My third was when, um... When Turtle and when they're all reading Turtle Drama and Vince are reading the Silo script, and Turtle's like re, Turtle's reading, and Drama says something like, "Well, what should I do?" And why don't you go get us a snack? Just makes <laughs> Drama completely irrelevant. <laughs> so I like being me. You want me to call E? No, I'm the producer. I can handle it. Let's just see what Crazy Billy did, huh? Hey, how about I read E's copy? Yeah, I like the initiative, Turtle. What should I do? Why don't you make us a snack? <laughs> I like being eat. <laughs> Couple good ones here. Dana Gordon. This is this is one of my favorite Dana episodes. Oh, Dana's Dana's throwing heat in this one. Wake up, Dana. It's real. The first big project you brought into your new studio is in shambles. Thanks to your writer-director, asshole. You know, if you think my last boss was vindictive, you haven't seen shit. You better find me someone approvable, and you better make sure that Vince is on board. Because if I have to go in and tell Richard Wimmer that we lost a script, a director, and a star today, all of whom are your fucking clients, you can bet your ass that nobody who has ever been close enough to smell your breath will ever be welcome at this studio again. Just standing up to his bullshit, getting in the mix, you know, mixing it up with the boys. Like, she's great. She's, I, I've... Fully admit on this podcast, I'm have a huge crush on Dana Gordon. Oh so. yeah, she's a tough, she's a tough character in a show that 
undervalues the females. She's one of the best, in my opinion. Absolutely. Another great burn. Uh, drama's kissing Billy's ass on the bat dot. He goes, Norm, Billy, he read every third page. <laughs> I, on the other hand, was riveted, especially by the character of Kelton, the farmhand. Yeah, I was thinking of you when I wrote that. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> The classic let drama face taut in the headlights, little, little discouraged, little disparaged. My, I think my favorite running. There's a lot of running drama gags, just like something that just so drama. My favorite is drama looking for a role. It's always my yeah. favorite. Like <laughs> yeah, any any time Kevin Dillon has a line about looking for a role or hey Vince, there's something in there for me. It's just it kills me every single time. I think that's a consistent mainstay of ever of his character throughout the entire show from like episode one season one he's like asking people for roles yeah to like all the way to the movie yeah he says to larry david in season one is there anything any good parts in there from in curb your enthusiasm which has a cast of like five and a half people <laughs> it's such a good gag music every week we talk about our favorite songs we have a spotify playlist called the oh yeah oh yeah music playlist the link to listen to that is in the show notes of today's episode. This episode of Entourage has two of probably my top ten favorite music drops. Really? Yeah. I don't know what it is about these two songs, Crash. I mean, do you have any that you want to talk about before I dive into mine? Uh, Heartbeats by Knife, which plays during Honest Shoot. Oh, it's so hot. Perfect. Turn into it. Turn into You know me, I love poppy music, poppy electronic yep. music. I'm a Carly Rae Jepsen stan. That <laughs> I, I liked that that song, that drop. What are yours, though? What did you have on the table? So I didn't have heartbeats. I had a Kings of Leon song called Ragu. It's right after Anna dumps Dave, and then we see like the interplay of Walsh calling Vince and Walsh saying he has it gone. Ask him right now. Ask him to look at you in the face and say it isn't so. Do it. Go on. Dave, stop it. Look, maybe I should leave. Yeah, dog, why don't you do that, please? No, dog, why don't you? I can't take it anymore. I'm done. That shit ain't right. Stop fucking talking like Randy Jackson. Well, okay. Whatever, movie star. Uh, I hope you two are really happy together, all right? <laughs> Well, that was awkward. Yeah. You alright? No, I meant for you. <laughs> okay, come on. Let's, let's get back to work. Okay. Jesus. There's just something about this early Kings of Leon. This is right before they made it big. In September of 2008, just a year later, it's when they released their album Only by the Night. That's what had all the chart success. It had Sets on Fire, Use Somebody. This is a year before that. So this is a Scott Venner, deep cut, kind of before the curve, predicting Kings of Leon's success. And I still have it on like some alternative chill playlist that I listen to. And every time I hear it, I think about E up in those hills with Anna. It's just, it's just a great jam. Everyone go listen to it. It's on the uh, the playlist. Can we jump to back to favorite quote real quick? Sure. Something I liked. You mentioned when Billy has the gun and when, when he, Vince finally gets on the phone with him and he's like, do you really have a gun? And he's just like, yeah, but the bitch hid the bullets. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cry for help if I've ever heard one. <laughs> yes. What was your... I can't wait to talk about Cat in a little bit, yeah. but... uh. 
What was your other song? My other song is the outro song, New York Groove by Ace Frehley. Do you know who Ace Frehley is? I do I do not. I am not the most musically savvy guy. I'll fully I'll fully admit that. Ace Frehley is one of the original musicians and songwriters for a little band known as Kiss. Okay, yeah, I've heard of Kiss. I'm I'm up to date yeah. on Kiss. <laughs> You're up to date on Kiss? I love this song. It's a New York ode. It is so cool. It is so upbeat. When you hear it in a trailer, when you hear it in a TV episode, you just feel good. I think about it as I descend into Newark Airport every time I go to New York City. And it's really weird that it's played over the end credits of this episode because they're not going to New York. It has nothing to do with New York this episode. Why wasn't this song in like Return of Queens Boulevard? That's my only question. Yeah, there's plenty of other opportunities to have that, to, dr- to drop a song with that meaning. In Why does nobody answer their cell phones? <laughs> Look who's talking. Aww. Well, you've been A, too busy being professional with your girlfriend <laughs> to pick up the phone. Somebody please just tell me what's going on. Don't stress your pretty little head about it. It's all been handled. What's been handled? We're making Billy's movie. Silo. Where's the snow? <laughs> <laughs> So it's a little misplaced, but it's still an iconic song in the lexicon of entourage music, in my opinion. Well, it's it's kind of cool that this this is like an under the radar episode to have to have two of your favorites. Totally, and that's why I love season four. That's why Sneaky season four is one of my favorites. Um, because of the music, because of just like some of the plot points, it it it, it really holds up compared to other seasons. Yeah, it is a good season. Which episode uh, in this show drops Grind Date by De La Soul? Because that's the that's my favorite music drop ever. That is in season two. Oh God, I'm, someone's gonna jump all over me for getting this one wrong. I'm pretty sure it's something involving a store, like them going to the jewelry store. One of those early season twos where they're like riding around in the uh, not the Hummer, the the early Escalade, and yeah, that's a that's an that's an iconic one. Grind dates in my top ten all as well. All time drop, all time drop. Um, what was outdated about this episode, or, or maybe how would this episode be different in twenty twenty? Um, the Randy Jackson reference was definitely outdated. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure American Idol was probably it was like a top three show in two thousand seven. Yep. I'd imagine. It was. Um, and you would know this better than me. Cell service in the hills. Yeah, so the fact that, that like, this whole, like, oh, you can't get a hold of EEs. I mean, yeah, the hills are hills, but, like, there are cell towers all over the Hollywood Hills now, and the cell reception's pretty fucking good, because, because, as you can imagine, there are a lot of rich people that live up there. So it's a little outdated in that. The whole idea of, like, E being unreachable just, you know, doesn't make sense in 2020. Yeah, but he'd be plugged into fine. Wi-Fi. He'd have iMessage or something at least. Well, so let's also talk now about Silo. From the director of Medellin and Queens Boulevard comes Silo. It is a story of a group of non-unionized farmhands who band together to survive a nuclear attack after discovering an underground society. It is ready to shoot. Billy Walsh is on board. Vinny Chase is on board. And if you're not, Fox Universal and Sony are. Crash, you have a sports movie podcast, which I've been on a couple times. You've been gracious enough to have me on. You're a movie guy. I had you on to talk about the movie career of Vinny Chase. I don't remember specifically what we said about Silo, but let's just be honest here. 
In 2020, Silo would not be a go movie whatsoever. No, it, it, Silo's not getting made. Um, it, 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 if I will, if Silo's getting made, it's getting made for Netflix. Like, and it, it would have to have someone, a couple big people attached to it for sure. Like sure. someone with helium, like Adam Driver could probably get Silo yeah. made for Prime or Netflix or something like that. But it's definitely not a th- it's not a studio summer blockbuster. Yeah, that doesn't really exist anymore outside of superhero movies now. And uh, you're absolutely right. I think that's a great, like, analysis. It would be a Netflix original movie or, or an Amazon Prime. Yeah, with, like, a Ryan Reynolds attached or, like, Hugh Jackman's, like, the leader of these farmhands trying to unionize. Just saying it out loud is like, yeah, maybe I'd watch that. Yeah, I mean, what makes what makes sense, what still would hold up, is them trying to make an existing existing piece of ip clouds into a summer movie like if clouds was crazy popular and they hired you know it's like if um if we found out that aaron sorkin had grabbed a book named clouds and was writing the script and they had grabbed adam driver and miles teller to star in it or something like that i don't know why miles teller hasn't made a big hit i mean top gun maybe will come out this summer yeah, again. Hashtag we'll coronavirus. yeah it will will any movie come out yeah, this summer but um so if that were to happen sure but billy walsh taking a piece of existing ip twisting it beyond recognition and still saying it's going to be the summer blockbuster just like original writing like that just doesn't get made unless you're unless you're christopher nolan because like we tenant tenant is coming out this summer it's pretty much exclusively Christopher Nolan. Maybe Sam Mendes after the success of 1917. Yeah, he, but... he can probably make whatever. Bong Joon-ho could probably make whatever right now. Yep. Uh, but it's a very uh, – Billy Walsh could not get this movie made. Uh, a, Billy, no. a Billy Walsh whose only hit is an indie hit, has never been nominated for an Oscar or anything, could not get this movie made in 2020. Fun fact – Miles Teller and his then fiance stayed at the same hotel as me in Hawaii right after my wedding, and I did quite a bit of light stalking because I kind of have a man crush on that dude. Yeah, is <laughs> was he as handsome in person? Oh yeah, he's and he's tall too. We walked by him in like the hallway of the hotel, and I like stopped in my tracks, and my wife was a little oblivious, and it was clear that he was scoping out the hotel um, for his wedding and meeting with people there. But he follows a Bro Bible Twitter account. I was very tempted to just be like, hey, man, you want to get a drink? But that'd be a fucking weird move. He's got. I bet he'd be an awesome person to get a drink with, though. He's got, like, incredible charisma. He he is a Chicago guy, If am I not? No, a Philly guy. Philly guy. But Philly guy. Yeah. Y'all are all the same to me. Yeah, thanks. Um, faces in the crowd. We already talked about Dave, Anna's boyfriend, but we're not talking about Richard Wimmer. Richard Wimmer, John Hurd, who is a.k.a. Bad Dad Hall of Fame Peter McAllister from Home <laughs> Bad, Bad Dad Hall of Fame was a category on the Dad Dumb Podcast, wasn't it? I think I, we definitely talked about Bad Dads. We definitely put Bad That's Dad great. Hall of we, we, We've definitely mentioned the Bad Dad Hall of Fame before, but as far as the pop culture Bad Dad Hall of Fame, Peter McAllister is up there. Like, he is just short of abusive dads. Like, Peter McAllister, <laughs> not an abusive dad, just not a good dad. Negligent, negligent parenting for sure. What the hell is going on? Desperate times call for desperate measures here. Thank God I'm in a row. And may I comment on what lovely ankles you have? Talk fast, Ari. You don't have your summer movie. Come again? A tent pole. You don't have one. I have clouds. Billy Walsh and Vinny Chase don't want to do it. Where the hell is Dana Gordon? I'm right outside the door, Richard. Ari locked me out. Let her in. 
Hey, Dana. Fuck you, Ari. Dana, what the hell's going on with Clouds? I am working on it, Richard. When you return from New York, I will have a completely new team in place. That's impossible. Billy burned six weeks writing the wrong script, and you do not have enough time to put Clouds back on board for your July release. You and your friend Billy Walsh are dead, Ari. No, we are not dead. We are very much alive. You, with your fading stock prices and your three straight quarters in the red, are dead. If you have to go to your board of directors and tell them that this summer may be your worst quarter yet. I'm going to tear your head off, Please don't, because I have your summer movie. He's had a really long, successful film career. From 1980 onward, he was in dozens of good movies. The Peloton Brief, Bid, Awakenings. I, I, I think we know him as the dad from Home Alone, but he's known as like a common man working actor in Hollywood. He was actually nominated for an Emmy Award in 1999 as a guest star on The Sopranos. So, like, the dude's acted to some critical acclaim, too. He's definitely one of, like, those guys. Like, you you, yep. you see him and everything. He's, like, he, he's been in a yep. lot of stuff. Definitely. That's why we have this this Faces in the Crowd Award. Right? He's just, he's just, he's a, he's a that guy. Sadly, he died of a heart attack in 2017 at the age of 71. At least, you, at least you didn't get coronavirus. We'll see how we will see how that joke ages in three days. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Wednesday right now, so do we have a long time until this comes out? This is gonna this this whole thing's not gonna age. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's tough. Tough. Be took a risk. So sits man award. I'm giving it to Cat. <laughs> well, she is also a face in the crowd because M- Michelle Lombardo, who is in Click, which is the like low-key one of the saddest movies of the, the yep. 2000s we reference click a lot in my day job because as a lot of people know i write tv commercials one of our biggest clients is bed bath and beyond and so we always have to reference as long as it's not like click because bed bath and beyond is a main character in that fucking movie yes it is the beyond section <laughs> hi hi billy uh, walsh here oh hey no billy's not here i see him sitting on the couch there she means I'm not here for you, Ari. Can I please come in? Not if you're going to criticize me. Critic? Why would I criticize you? Let him in. So everyone hates the script. You got paid a half a million dollars to adapt a book and you didn't do it. <laughs> Decided to go in a different direction. They didn't pay you for that direction. Hey, the script that he wrote is really hot, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's just something about her, man. I, I, I did her vibe. I, I mentioned this when I had my guest on for the first appearance of Michelle. At some point in every young man's life, you get involved with a cat. Oh, yeah. And it's up to you to get out of it. And if you don't, you end up like Billy Walsh. But you always look back fondly and a little stared at what you could have become if you would have stuck with that cat yeah, type. Yeah, I mean, there's at every point, like when you're like 19, 20 you're hanging out with a cat and you're like could i i i could bring her home i think oh yeah like i i, yep. you, I could make that happen and then you mm-hmm. and, and it's no no you you can't you can't make that happen you just need to let it lie i was in the hospital at the age of 22 i had a brain injury this is a longer story for another time but i, I was in like the head trauma unit and i at the time i was seeing a girl like cat not even dating we were just seeing each other and my father comes in from the city and is sitting by my bedside he's all kind of distraught because his son has this brain thing and all of a sudden the cat type comes roaring in she's hysterical she's ready to kill somebody she's just a hot mess that's how she meets my father and after she leaves my dad turns to me and he says the most two disappointing words i've ever heard out of my father's mouth he goes 
Yeah, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Which, that's all he had to say for me to just know how low he thought of his son in that moment. I mean, we've all been there with the cat. I want to give a shout out to the Six Man Award, though, to, does does Constance Zimmer as Dana Gordon qualify? Well, I have her for a much bigger award okay. later on okay. in the episode. Fair, but fair point. We'll 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 tackle that when we come to it then. Real quick, Tad answers the door. She says, "Oh no, Billy's not here." And Ari goes, "I can see him sitting on the couch right there." <laughs> <laughs> she it's it's almost it's it's kind of disappointing that she this was her last episode. I think last episode. She's in three episodes. She's already been in two, and this is the uh, the last one. She'll always be number one in my heart, though, that tat. Yeah. She... Not a big drama episode. He's kind of hanging in the background. This is his like second or third in a row where he doesn't have a lot to do. But any drama moments or lines jump out of you that we haven't discussed, Kyle? Uh, the second they pick up the silo script and drama slipping through, and he goes, a lot of scenes in here, Vince. Billy liked what I did in Medellin, <laughs> right? Like, he hasn't not once been like, hey, man, Vince, your movie might be in trouble. Like, this is this is bad news just right away. He's like, ooh, a lot, a lot of scenes in here. Like, is there a role for me? Is there a role for me, baby bro? He, he goes, Billy Lightyear did in Medellin, yeah? And Turtle goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> that should have gone in Biggest Bird. I think I, I think I missed that. I was too busy just laughing at drama. Vince. Sorry. Yeah, I'll call him when I'm finished. Some help this guy is. I'm not sleeping, jerk off. I'm pacing myself. Yeah, were you enjoying it, Turtle? You know, don't get mad, Vin, but I was kind of just scanning it for the sex scenes. There are two good ones, by the way. There's a lot of parts in here, Vince. Billy liked what I did in Medellin, right? No. Yeah, there's. he gives this little rant as they're walking into Earth Cafe that I kind of liked. He's like, she has a boyfriend, Turtle, Andromeda. So it's not a husband. And if you think she'd want to bang you if you didn't have a boyfriend, you'd lie and wait. Eventually that would end and you'd be in like Flynn. <laughs> Turtle's like, yeah, totally. And he's basically like, is that why you guys never get laid? Like, they're just like kind of questioning their like whole, <laughs> their whole strategy around it. It doesn't make any sense. Drama and Turtle are such a fun, odd couple. My favorite Ari Gold moment, maybe you have some more like detail, but my entire, just his entire hustle this episode is just my favorite moment. It's, it's on another level. Mm-hmm. Well, especially with E out of the picture for the episode, mm-hmm. he's like, I've got to do this shit all by myself. And it's, it's where you see the peak of Ari. It's kind of like what we said. It's like showing how actually good Ari is the job. He's not just like a guy who can yell at people and insult people and be funny. He can frame anything and sell it as positive for his client and the studio. Like every – he takes like this bag of shit and he's just like, okay, I'm putting it on a platter. This is why it's going to work. This is why you have no choice but to do it. This is why you're going to tell – you know. Like when he brings in the thing about no, you've been in the red for the last three quarters, and that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's just amazing. Like that, him working the boardroom like that is is fantastic. It it just like peak Ari. He threatens the head of a Hollywood studio with like his financial numbers, and basically holds him over the fire, and is like, accept this script right now. And there's something interesting about this in terms of you get the feeling that this is probably how these things happen sometimes, like. They have one script that's a go. It doesn't turn out to be the right one, so they just grab another one off the top of the pile. And if it's close enough and if they can market it, then fine. Go movie. And there's a ton writing for Ari on this. Because it, yeah. if, Vince and, if Vince and Billy Walsh both tank this project, that's on Ari. 
Um, like that, that's going to be a, that's going to be a thing on Ari. So he's, I mean, and, and he treats Vince different than other clients and Vince's success matters more. I mean, and that's the plot of the show, obviously, but yeah. it's just like Ari's backs against the wall and then it takes him 45 seconds and Dana Gordon, and Richard Wimmer's backs are against the wall and they're just eating out of Ari's hand. So speaking of Dana, who besides Vince won this week's episode? You know who I'm voting for. Yeah, okay, lay lay out your case. I mean, there's there's no case to be made other than like she stands up to Ari's bullshit. She marches in there, she wheels and deals. She has the line it's Field of Dreams meets Blade Runner, which so good. another outdated reference, but you know, and there's even that moment afterwards where he goes, "That was incredible." And she's like, "Yeah, pretty good, huh?" And he goes, "So did you read the script?" And she goes, "I didn't even have to read the script. I had to go movie douchebag." Die, Ari. Die. I, I like, truly is... hope you die. Tell him how good it is, Dana. All personal bullshit aside. Dana. It's an excellent script. Can we market it? Think um, a Blade Runner meets Field of Dreams. Two classics. Boom. You make this good, Dana. And you, Ari, this I don't soon forget. That was unbelievable. Blade Runner meets Field of Dreams. Not bad, huh? That was. A, did you actually read it? What do we need to read it for? I have a go movie, douchebag. We have a go movie. Die, Ari. I truly hope you die. She's got some balls on her, man. Like she doesn't care. She's like, my job is now easier because I've got a go movie. Like you made it easier, but I hate you during it. Like she doesn't play the victim. She doesn't use her sexuality in any way, which is you know kind of what happens to entourage females. It, it's it's a great performance, man. I just I just love her and I love it. Yeah, I think. I, I wish I would have had the the sense to put her as winning the episode because I think like you won me over. You, I, I agree. I had a mix of there's like most of the episode. It's e just in terms of screen time and winning the duel with Dave, and it's the first time you see e do anything productive in this industry that doesn't involve Vince. And it kind of leads you <laughs> into. I mean, eventually, like e does the thing with with Bow Wow's character and like. E eventually like, branching off and having his own thing. It's the first time you see that. But then Ari at the last minute just takes over the episode. Yeah, which he do- he saves E's ass so many times throughout the show. It's it's rare that you see the flip side of that. And when that happens, sometimes like you get the Ramon situation and it, things go off the, the rails pretty quickly. But yeah, uh, I liked Ari swooping in. I mean, really, Ari could have won the episode too, but just Dana stepping up to the plate and hitting, you know... A triple in the the triples alley is uh, pretty nice to see. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of heat in the back half of this episode. <laughs> a list episode, B list episode, or D list episode crash, and you can do pluses or minuses. So, for it is a, I feel like it's a C list first fifteen minutes because there you okay. you start getting the Walsh fatigue a little bit. He's still good, but it's like, oh, they're using an unreliable Billy Walsh plot again. And then the last ten minutes is like a plus. It's just yeah. peak entourage. So I'd give it a B plus episode, just kind of the combination. Cause I do think it's slow. And especially early on in the first 15 minutes, you're getting a lot of the douchebag boyfriend. Yeah. Um, a lot more stuff with, with what's going on with, with Anna Ferris, which I'm not totally locked into, but sure. the last 10 minutes you've got Ari saving silo. You've got Anna dumping the boyfriend and E getting a small little win there. You know, Dana and Ari going toe to toe. You've got the classic entourage. Hey, it all worked out <laughs> moment. Like it, it, it all comes together really nicely in the last 10 minutes. What did you have it as? I had it as a B plus as well. We are uh, of one mind. I think 
for some of the similar reasons, like the Dave character knocks down a whole letter grade. And you're right, the the whole like E hanging in the hills and trying to get a like a signal, that that's way he's like, I'm trying to get a message to Lloyd. Like that's a little bit too much of that. And honestly, I'd rather see him and Anna like back down in LA, like drinking beers and like hanging with the guys as opposed to like up in the hills while she does a, a random photo shoot. It's also funny, like, seeing him navigate all the like people there like the photographer and her you know whatever the dp and stuff i do these little shoots for work cr- crash and like we'll just film like a product on a table with like a background and you have to have a full like staff there you have to have a full crew to do those types of things because there are, are rules about creating things for the internet or tv or movies so it's interesting to see him like trying to navigate like 12 different like production hands just to like get a message down the hill or to try to you know get through to Anna so I don't know that whole thing was a little uneven to me and yeah the silo stuff the Dana and Ari wheeling and dealing plus just like I loved Ari confronting Billy that that puts it at a solid B plus for me yeah when you get entourage giving you the entourage version of the the business of like those kind of negotiations yep. that's that's when I think entourage is at his best and when you just kind of let Piven go to work um, I, I mean, the awards kind of speak for itself. I, Piven, Piven has a higher top level. Like, I mean, I love all the actors on this show. Um, I think Piven has like another gear and I, and that's part of the character. I think Ari has another gear and is given another gear more than, than any of the characters. The rest kind of have to stay at a certain place. Ari is allowed to go up to a hundred too often. And, and Piven hits that mark. And to your earlier point, the past three episodes, not a lot has happened. It's been like the furry episode, and then and then the whole plot about Gary Busey's desk, and then, you know, Mrs. Ari trying to do a soap opera. Not a lot has happened in the past three episodes of Entourage, just a quarter of the whole season, and then a shit ton happens in this episode. This one is like, you know, they they go around the track a few times, essentially, which, which was great to see before, you know, they head off to Tan, and uh, things get even crazier. And the world blows up. Absolutely. They're deal- they deal with like a bit of a situation just like we're dealing with at the end of uh, No Can Do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, the the rest of us can, can make it to a beach, in, a t- beach tent in Mexico. Crash, talk to us about From Phenom to Farm. Yeah, if, uh, if you are a baseball fan or just a fan of hearing the stories of professional athletes and you have a lot of time to kill upcoming because there's no sports on, uh, from Phenom to the Farm, a series I'm doing in partnership with Baseball America, uh, talking to former and current professional baseball players who signed out of high school, um, that kind of journey of being an 18-year-old who just graduated high school and then suddenly being a professional baseball player, being handed a, a very handsome sum of money and saying, hey, hey kid, go, go be a pro. Go, go be an adult. Go be a professional um re- really interesting story so far we just dropped the uh the third episode last week with josh booty who ha- holds the distinction of playing in in both uh the major leagues and as an nfl quarterback uh it- it's been a really been a really interesting series so far i've had a lot of stories going to do i think eight to ten episodes they're coming out every other tuesday you can check that out wherever you get your podcast it's from phenom to the farm has its own feed it's presented by Baseball America, and then every Monday you can check out Big Screen Sports, uh, covering sports movies, talking about the sports action in them, and and everything else in between. It's the sports movie podcast. I've had JR on a few times, and uh, yeah, 
So that's uh, that's everything I got to plug. You know what? I love from Phenom to the Farm for a couple reasons. One, I love baseball. B, I love you talking about baseball because you're so knowledgeable and so well informed. But C, I liked it. I liked it because it's like reading the oral history of like I'm not going to call these guys flameouts because they were professional baseball players, but their careers didn't pan out the way they they'd hoped. And reading that on a baseball website is one thing, but hearing it from their own voices is a whole other thing. And that's why I really love what Kyle's doing. If you guys are interested in the pod, go to the show notes of today's episode. There's a link to subscribe. Check it out. He's doing great work over at uh, Baseball America. Yeah, and uh, you're just trying to get a good variety of guys. Um, you know, like we talked to a guy with a with a decent amount of big league service time and then talked to a guy who didn't get out of A-ball. So it's a nice variety kind of seeing what happens. Uh, one more thing to plug. If you go on YouTube.com, type in Johan Santana 17 <laughs> strikeout game. It's like it's like a three-minute highlight video. It's just, it's just beautiful. Again, everyone, just, just go watch it. It's really great, really great stuff. Kyle, always a pleasure. JR, thank you so much for having me. You know how much I love talking about Entourage. This was a great time. We'll talk to you then soon. Awesome. Tip your bartenders. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) 